0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Frog Snacks Podcast. It is episode 146, and uh, today we're going to be talking about a, a, a specific franchise. Um, a lot of people are familiar with it, uh, but we really haven't talked about it much. And, and just before we started recording, I was I was talking to Frog, uh, my trusty co-host, that this is kind of uh, one of those franchises that just gets taken for granted. Almost everybody is familiar with it, if not have played one of the games, but um, it, nobody really talks about it. It just kind of exists. It's just this extant species in the gaming world, and, and I, I, think it's, uh, I think it's worth talking about because it's had its ups and downs just like every franchise, but there are so many installments and it's been around for so long, uh, I think it's worth a discussion. So we are, of course, talking about the Musau series, which uh, is more commonly known by a lot of its other uh, like like brand names I guess uh, your your dynasty warriors um, you know your warriors series essentially and all of the various spin-offs of that. Correct. Mhm.
1: And just a point of clarification, Musou now being the genre that all of these games fall under to, but yeah.
0: Right. So it was a, it was a name that they coined? But it is also now descriptive of the genre that it uh, inhabits almost solely. Yeah. So before we begin, I think that we need to do a really quick history lesson because I don't know if a lot of people understand the genesis of this series. Um, so why don't we why don't we get back in our in our on our way back machine or our, our Delorean here and kick it way <laughs> back to December of nineteen eighty five. Um, in, in, in this year, a company known now by Koei Tecmo, but was then just known as Koei, uh, made a game called Romance of the Three Kingdoms for, uh, Amiga, came out for NES a couple years later. Um, damn for uh, Amiga. Woo. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, MSX, which I believe was, um, a predecessor of DOS. Um, no, it was a Microsoft. Uh, it was a Microsoft architecture, but it was only popular in Japan. Basically, this game didn't really get. Uh, I, don't, I think it was. I think it was initially a Japanese release. It didn't come out in the West for a while. But right. besides the point, this was a strategy game. This was a strategy game based off of the uh, the Three Kingdoms period of uh, China in the in the second and third century. Basically, the time in between the. Um, The the two, the 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 Qin dynasty and another dynasty. Anyway, this uh, this is kind of uh, like a like an important part of Chinese history. So they made this strategy game on these three warring kingdoms of the time: the um, the the Wu, the Shu, and the Wei. Right, and uh, this is like a highly romanticized historical uh, you know piece. And they made this game out of it. And it's like a really – from what I can tell based on my research, it it seemed like a very rudimentary civilization almost. Um, It it was basically tiles with numbers on them and everything was just kind of stat-based. And your whole deal was to unite all of China. So they come out with this game and sells well. And they make another, 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 and by the time they come out with the seventh installment, they do a, uh, they do a spin-off. Uh, the spin-off is called, uh, in, in English it's called Dynasty Warriors, but in, in Japanese it has a, uh, it has another name, uh, Sango, Sango, Sengoku Musao, and... It was a fighting game, which I think is the coolest fun fact about this whole discussion. That the first Dynasty Warriors was basically a ripoff of Soul Calibur, but it was using all these characters from the Romance of the Three Kingdoms series, your your, right, your right, right. generals from the various factions, and then uh, other political players of the time. So, uh, the game like kind of doesn't really make that big of a splash, but for some reason, nothing can stop Koei. And and Koei actually published this one. They had an in-house developer called Omega Force make it, who would go on to make all of these games, right? But this yep. is the first game that it was... It, this this division was essentially created to make this game and these games subsequently. So they come out with a second one, right? And the second one has a different name in Japanese. It's uh, uh, Shin Sango, Sengoku Musao. And in English, it's Dynasty Warriors 2. So from here on out, all of the numbered versions in English have are, are, are one number ahead because they didn't change the name after the first installment in the West like they did in the East. So <laughs> that's another fun fact. It kind of has this weird like reverse Final Fantasy thing going on.
1: That's exactly what I
0: thought of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, so, for for example, uh, you know, Dynasty Warriors four uh, was Shin Sengoku Musou three in in Japan. So, the the divergence here between the first one and the second one is massive because this is this is sort of the where the where the genre of Musou is created. This is sort of where they. Really, just laid the groundwork for what this type of game would be, and and what it still is today in a lot of ways. And what it is is essentially you. Uh, it, it's it's just an action RPG, but you play as one of the one of the various generals and political characters that you would play as in the Romance of the Three Kingdoms games. But you are actually out there on the battlefield with your weapon, and you are. You know talking to various generals and there are different cutscenes and you are basically hack and slashing your way in this you know large uh, fully realized generated battlefield and you're, you're and there's just... a lot of hacking and slashing exactly it is it is just it is the hackiest slashiest thing you could ever hope for in a hack and slash game and so this one I believe, uh, Dynasty Warriors 2, hold on. Uh-oh, uh, research what? Dynasty <laughs> Warriors 2 comes out in, I think, 2000? Um, yes, because it was, I think it was a launch title for the PlayStation 2. Yes, Damn. it was. It was, It was a it, in North America, it was a launch title for the PS2.
1: Yes. Yeah, because Dynasty Warriors one was like what, like ninety seven or something like 97, that? Ninety seven, yeah. So that was a yeah. PS
0: one game, and then Dynasty Warriors two launched title for PS two. It was the first one I played. And uh You
1: played Dynasty Wars two?
0: Yeah. Oh wow. I played I played two, three, four, and five. Wow. Okay. And uh four was by and by like by far my favorite one.
1: Four was yeah, actually really right. good. Your your boy, Prague. when I first met him, when we'd be at work, he would not stop talking about Dynasty Warriors 4.
0: Dynasty Warriors 4 was so good. I, and I don't know what it was. I think at that point they, they had just kind of like nailed down the feel of what Dynasty Warriors was supposed to be. 3 introduced a lot of like random crap like elephants and stuff. But, <laughs> but four 4, I really felt like it was doing what it was supposed to do. And then... Uh, you know, subsequent titles tried to do a lot of them things. And I think we're going to talk about that because after – basically after the, the, um, the PS2 generation, things started to split up quite a bit. And, and it ended up – what Koei what Tecmo and Omega Force ended up doing, which I thought was, you know, like pretty interesting and really uh, set themselves up for where they are today – is that they got all these? They got all these spin-offs under their belt. They got all these. They they started off with like in-house stuff, like um, Samurai the, Warriors. Yeah, Samurai Warriors and Warriors Orochi, uh, Dynasty Tactics, um, Dynasty. I think Empires was one, uh, which was which was essentially like a mix of Dynasty Warriors and Romance of the Three Kingdoms, where you would you would like do a thing on a map. Like you would in *Romance of the Three Kingdoms*, but instead of a bunch of you know, like digital dice rolls, you would actually go out and fight the battle. So, nice. yeah, and I and I played one of those, and I was like, I I was like, this is getting in the way of my hacking and slashing. This like map, <laughs> this like map BS is getting in the way of me of me just like plunging my sword into a literally a thousand a thousand like, creatures sca- scarecrows essentially. <laughs> right. So, um. So, so this, is, this is kind of where they, where they get the first one. I believe the first one that was outside of, uh, you know, in-house IP of Omega Force. And this is also uh, probably the first um, bef- pre-merger between Koei and Tecmo was uh, the Dynasty Warriors Gundam series.
1: Ah, uh, yes. Dynasty Warriors Gundam. Yeah. I remember when that was announced and the internet was basically like, wait, what? Yeah. So I think people were
0: still like, wait, what? Uh, because it, <laughs> so this is this is also where they established themselves as as the genre, because it's it, it's it's known in Japan as Gundam Musao. The 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 game is called Gundam Musao in, in Japan. So this 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 is where they establish Musao as a as a genre that they created.
1: Which and, is hilarious because yeah. if you think about it, that's like if they were to name a a a, a game that was like Gundam Shooter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah, just that's the, really the game the like. game the genre. They're just like listen we're not gonna pretend that we don't know what this is. You know what this is, we know what this is Plunk the sixty dollars down and let's be on with our lives.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Drop the sixty and get on with your life. Yeah, that's so far. So, so it gets uh, reviews are all across the board, right? Uh, in in Europe and in Japan, it seemed to do well, and I don't think anybody in the West had any clue what to make of this this like ridiculous crossover. And that's probably how it came across was just a ridiculous crossover.
1: Right? Well, you mean specifically in the U.S., right?
0: Specifically in the U.S., I think in the east um, and also in europe it translated a bit better uh, and i don't mean translation in like localization i mean like the concept made more sense to I people guess. right or or maybe they were just like more okay with this like with this
1: like unabashed weeb stuff that was happening i guess <laughs> well not to get too too far off topic but uh, from what i have seen in the last couple of weeks it seems like gundam you know, as much as those of us who are, like, hardcore nerds would think that Gundam is, like, a ubiquitous thing everywhere, it seems like it was never that, strictly speaking, popular in the United States. Uh, there was an audience for it, but I don't think the audience ever got as big as the audience in, again, like, Japan, and I'm not exactly sure about Europe. Because, for example, you know, they had Gundam Versus come out for a PS4 uh late last year and that for that to even come out in the United States was like apparently a miracle because yeah. there was not that big a Gundam audience in general and Gundam is now a pretty old school Mecca franchise, which again is another like, weird thing to have to say, but here we are uh, <laughs> that gun is like the old kid on the block. So, you know, all these hotshot, upstarts who are like, oh, where's code geese or something, you know, (laughs) like they weren't going to, they weren't really checking for it. Yeah. So,
0: so yeah, they had a, they had Dinosaur Warriors Gundam and it must've just done well enough for them to keep doing this and pursue and pursue this sort of, uh, you know, kind of, uh, I don't know how to, I don't know how to describe it, but basically just assimilating all of these, all of these intellectual properties. Into the into the like Musou uh, world that they created for themselves. So so next up, and this is the first one after the Koei Tecmo merger. So uh, um, the first the first non Dynasty Warriors Musou game to come out as Koei Tecmo was uh, was, was it One Piece? No, it was it was uh, Fist of the <laughs> North Star.
1: I forgot about this. <laughs> So, I forgot they did this. So to to
0: to let everybody know that, uh, basic basically pulling a, a giant like Japanese dad joke on the entire Western Hemisphere, <laughs> they they decide to do uh, a fist of the North Star Ken's Rage, um, which is again in Japan uh, known as Hokuto, Hokuto Musou, and. This is, uh, different because it's a little bit more of a beat-em-up uh, from my understanding. Like, less weapons and, and mostly, like, fighters. Um, oh,
1: yeah. It's, it's fisted at North Star. So, every... It's fist only. Yeah, so... And it, people exploding.
0: It, it's, right. So, it's actually listed <laughs> as a beat-em-up rather than a hack-and-slash. But the, uh... It's, it's the same... It's the same concept here. You're, you're doing all of this stuff. Uh, you're... You've got your... You've got all of your Musao trappings in here. Um... And according to this, it, it, it follows the manga pretty faithfully, which I appreciate, I guess. I, I, From what I understand, Fist of the North Star is pretty out there and weird. Uh, and I imagine that anybody who has ever been at least one point a small fan of Fist of the North Star probably gobbled up this game because they, uh, according to the internet, did a pretty good job as, as essentially fan service. And I think that this is this becomes... Another staple as to how this thing keeps going on the way it is is by being as faithful as it can be while to the, source material. to the source material while still having them do things that you wouldn't really do, like putting them in these ridiculously large battles and and basically just reskinning dynasty warriors.
1: You know? Oh yeah, it's it's pretty brilliant as a business strategy.
0: Yeah, it's, so so it's it's essential, and we'll go through all of them because because some of them are more well known and definitely more popular than others. But they definitely, uh, I, I think that they probably uh, stumbled out the gate a little bit with these, like the Gundam one and the and the Fist of the North Star one. Strange for to be to be certain, but at least like they they kind of like got like they, they were able to polish themselves on this and it looks like this Fist of the North Star one was where they really got it right. Was where they, they said, okay, let's what what do all of the people who are fans of this intellectual property want? So this is where they kind of brought in as as much gameplay as you can to this this Musou genre, this all of the stuff that you could find in the later Dynasty Warriors you know, your, your adventure mode and your challenge mode, your legends, but all these different modes, head-to-head mode, whatever. And, you know, which is a throwback to the original, which is a fighting game. And, right. And you you just chock full. Basically, you you create um, – you, you basically did what Nintendo did with Smash Brothers. And you take the – you scrape – the bottom of the barrel until you, until you are throwing stuff in there that even fans of the franchise have to be like, wait, that one person from that one page of of that thing. And, and this is, this is, you're right. This is brilliant because this is, this is essentially giving everybody a pretty easy like hack and slash buttons, button masher way for them to kind of indulge on this, alternate universe with all of their favorite people from the original without kind of like bastardizing the canon at all yes yeah yeah so i think that this is this is really where we say so this is 2010 this is uh march of 2010 in japan and uh november 2010 so
1: i'll give you two brief asides please uh, aside 1 is that i uh, i smiled even harder when i remember this game because uh, a couple of folks, shout out to our friend Max, who included Max, when, when we were at school, uh, heard about this game coming out and some of the nutty, like, special edition things, including a a clock that would, like, have quotes from the series, including, <laughs> including like, uh, the little girl, what's her name, um, Ren, I think, who would just be screaming, "Kid!" It, it was the most bad shit thing ever and <laughs> that and speaking thinking of system of north star the the only other way that was probably more appropriate uh than this game to experience like the utter carnage of the fist of the north star universe was the fighting game from uh like the mid 2000s decade i forgot exactly what year but done by Art system works uh, which is also infamous because it is the most broken nonsense ever created, where I highly encourage people to look it up, where people will get into combos that can go up to, like, 150 hits to the point where if experienced people are playing and, like, somebody gets caught in the combo, the other person will just take their hands out of control controller and just wait for a while because the, <laughs> the combo is going to keep going. It is the most absurd... Just like the show itself, it is completely batshit crazy and absurd. So, um, yeah, good on Omega Force for trying and, and somewhere at least successfully capturing the spirit of that franchise in their game.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and I think that they, they did this really well in a lot of the subsequent ones, too. So the one that you, you – you spoiled it a little bit, but the one that they did right after this one was the One Piece one, right? Yeah. So – they did. Uh, they did uh, One Piece Musou, um, which came out two years later in 2012, um, and I actually didn't know that they did this until I started researching this. But they did come out with uh, two sequels for it. There was One Piece Pirate Warriors two and One Piece Pirate Warriors three. Um, so they it, it must have done well. But um, again, oh for sure. But but again, this is this is kind of. And this is, this is amazing because this is all in spite of mixed to middling reviews. It, it kind of doesn't matter because it, it really is just like this, this living, breathing fan service encyclopedia, like a living encyclopedia uh, with, you know, with some type of action gameplay in it. It's, it's really for – I mean the game sold uh, over 650,000 copies according to Silicon Era – uh, it, it sold over 650 thousand copies its first week in Japan
1: so which is, this crazy. is I
0: mean this is all like and, and we're talking like down the list like six out of ten six out of ten six out of ten uh, like this is this is an average game by all respects and it and it kind of doesn't matter because they over the years built up this this method that that we just explained and it's amazing yeah
1: Uh this is a. I think all the Musou games are the perfect counter to anybody who, you know, still in 2018 believes that reviews at all translate to sales. Mm-hmm. I mean, if all that can happen is that if a game that was supposed to be like super well reviewed comes out and, you know, gets really bad reviews, that can probably have an effect, right? Like, let's say if Odyssey had come out. Yeah. And instead of being, you know, a critical darling, people are like, actually, we get this, like, a seven, then that would have started, like, some shit that might have hurt Nintendo's bottom line. But in the case of a Musou game, like, people are going to buy it because they're like, oh, it's exactly what Omega Force did. It's just hilarious to me that they literally called the game One Piece Muso, and they're like, they, you guys know what they say. give me your money. Just Just shut up and give me your money. <laughs>
0: Yes, exactly.
1: It's, it's it's literally like a drug sale. Like, yeah, do you know, do you know what to expect here? Don't act like you're high and mighty. Just cough up and let's go.
0: Yeah, it's 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 just drugs. They're just like you're a fan of this. Like, just whatever. Here's here's the Musao version. Go crazy. Right. And uh, okay, so so next up, I think is probably the the one that people are most familiar with. It was the most recent and and probably the most popular out of all of these in the West, at least. And uh, this is High Rule Warriors. Ah right. uh, yes. So uh, Hyrule Warriors it came out for the Wii U, and then eventually got ported to the 3DS. And I guess it's coming to the Switch too. I just don't know if we have. A, it says quarter two 2018. We don't have a we don't have a date yet, but it is coming to the Switch, which yep. uh, is is going to do wonders for this game because not only is is this game probably one of their more recent successes. This one actually was reviewed fairly well in the West. And, um, and, and sold, you know, okay in Japan, but sold a lot better in the West. And I, and I think that that's really interesting. So I I don't know if...
1: Well, we can dig into that a little bit, right? So, so Hyrule Warriors, I think is a little bit of a corner turner for Omega Force because in working with Nintendo, you know, they had i'm sure they had to meet some expectations you know they can't just nintendo's not gonna let anybody just like slap link into some joint and call it a day you know what i mean yes so things have to be done that would make sense for the franchise etc 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 uh and in fact like literally i remember seeing interviews with people from because team ninja worked on this game too okay uh And I remember seeing an interview with some of the producers being like, yeah, you know, we really had to make some changes to the formula to make this, you know, the best game it could be. Like, we actually have bosses in the game inspired, you know, from the various Zelda enemies. And you actually kind of have to think to deal with them. And he said it just like that. You actually have to think, Mm -hmm. Uh, which I thought was hilarious. But having played the game, yes, you do have to think. And having played another game uh, of theirs, which we'll get into in a moment um yeah it's true you can the musou games are about just like charging ahead at all costs with the exception of higher warriors uh and i think it was there where we really start to see them really like um build on the gameplay like use the musou thing now as like a base to go even further
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't. It's weird because you're right. Like they did bring in uh, a lot of people. Like they 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 were probably forced to heed a lot of what Nintendo was saying to make this game because it is their IP and they're incredibly protective of it. But it still got the same kind of, you know, um, you know, hits that. A lot of that, all of the games get. You know, it's it's still got criticized for being you know full of mindless slashing and and fairly basic. Even though it did have all of the stuff that that people wanted, it was all of the um, it, it, it looks like uh, destructoid, the escapist, Gamespot, and Games Radar all used the word fan service in their review, <laughs> which is which is fine. Like they have this, you know. It, it reviewed a little bit better in the West but I, because I think that people saw that there was a little bit more thought put into it. But it was also not – it was that, was that was on Nintendo.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean it's – I would also say I think people in the West probably had uh, a pretty strong idea. All right, we know what we're getting into. Uh, the other reason why I think it was so well received is because – don't forget this came out, I want to say 2015 – uh, which was nobody knew. There had been no Zelda game on the Wii U yet. Nobody knew, and w- what would eventually become Breath of the Wild was going to arrive. So I think there was definitely a thirst to have something Zelda-related on on the Wii U. On you know, just to have uh, fans satisfied for a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, not to mention that we had not seen any of the Zelda universe in like a straightforward action format. Which was really, really cool to to behold for the first time. Like to finally get a chance to straight up cut loose with Link and just you know fuck people up. It was great.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, and and it's and it's cool. That you, it's good that you mentioned that because uh, the the article that I'm reading, as well as Zeldapedia, which is a great uh, which is a great uh, resource, describe the game in like big bold letters as non canon. And it's just like, please, like this, this doesn't count. Like it's just Dynasty Warriors just, but it's great because if you look at the list of characters that are in it, there are, um, there are 163, uh, articles for separate characters that are in the game. You know, we're talking about down to, down to like the different variants of the enemies that you, that you fight. You know your different, you know tree sprouts and your your different, uh, you know listvoloses and stuff like that.
1: So, oh yeah, make no mistake, there is a lot of shit in that game. Yeah, you some, know, some the stuff only that I'm, like not even really
0: sure where it comes from. Like,
1: who's your yeah, they, they guy dug deep. Yeah, they they dug deep. I mean, the roster after all the DLC, I think, is twenty nine. You know, they came with twenty nine characters for you to play as. Yeah. Uh, on top of all the other stuff, the only complaint I had that that game personally is that I wish they had given you. So they have a few boss characters, but there's only like literally like four. Uh, And I'm like, you guys and they reuse them heavily across the various mission modes and whatever they have. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, you guys really could have done better to do like Uh, this is a Zelda game. Every Zelda game has at least like seven bosses. Um, and there's many more memorable ones than than the set that they put in Uh, even though the set they put in is good I'm like you guys really could have put in some other bosses just to keep the variety a little higher but outside of that yeah I thought it was as you said a fan service it was was pretty ultimate fan service
0: yep yep and then um, uh, we got one more, I think maybe two more, and uh, one of them is Fire Emblem Warriors.
1: Yes, which I actually heard is really good.
0: I heard it was good. I didn't play it, but I think that um, so it, it actually it actually made the most sense to me out of all right. of these because every every character already has a weapon, right? And then you know you are ostensibly fighting battles when you're playing. Fire Emblem games, anyway, right? So it's right. like I could see it like translating a little bit better. So I'm sure it is good. Um, it is on the Switch, so you know that helps for sure. Um, but this one's pretty new, so all we can go off is like kind of preliminary reviews, and it and it seemed to have done probably it seemed to have done just as well reviews wise as uh, Hyrule Warriors, which is, you know, for this, for, for the, a Musa game, saying quite a bit. Right. Um, and this one, uh, Team Ninja also helped work on, because it's a Nintendo thing.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that, again, they, they would need all hands on deck to do these yeah. legacy franchise ones. Didn't they also do a a Berserk game? Wasn't that them?
0: I am not seeing one here, but it's possible. I will look that up, and I know that there's. I think there's one that you wanted to bring up, right?
1: Yeah. Well, there's two. Yeah. Um, So the one, the other one you're probably about to mention is the Dragon Quest Hero series. Yes. Uh, Yeah, the Dragon Quest Hero series. I've played the second one, Uh, and I have to say that is another game that legitifies uh, legitimizes the the work they're doing more recently in, in trying to. Uh, I guess give a little more depth to the series mm-hmm. because I, I was rather surprised to see Dragon Quest Heroes 2 I can't speak for one but Dragon Quest Heroes 2 is actually a Dragon Quest game like it has all the trappings of a Dragon Quest game The really the only difference is that you are playing Musou style running around and battling people live action as opposed to uh, in you know the series staple turn based battles but in all other ways, it is in fact a Dragon Quest game. It's I was very pleasantly surprised. You know, it's got a fairly in-depth storyline. You know, all the the shopping and leveling up and character development, all that stuff that you would expect from that kind of game is there. All the whimsical characters that you can choose from are there. All that shit is there, and it and it does not play like mission-based as most other Muso games do. It is in a giant you know, seamless world. Interesting. So, yeah, so it's really fun.
0: Yeah. So, so you're right. There was a berserk one. It was called, um, it came out for, uh, it came out for PlayStation and windows. Uh, and it was, uh, it was called berserk and the band of the hawk or berserk musau in, uh, in, in Japan. And this one didn't do as well. It seemed like it didn't really sell that well. And it reviewed pretty poorly. But it does exist. Um, I think that – and uh, perfect. This is exactly what we've been saying. Uh, Destructoid awarded it an 8 out of 10 actually. Uh, Seeing the story continue past the golden age is enough for an enthusiast to buy in. Otherwise, wait. This is, that's exactly what we've been saying. So, but the, <laughs> thing is, a the thing is like, I don't know how popular Berserk is. I mean, it's, I, I know it's, it's like, you know, out there and it's well known, but I don't know. Like, is Berserk like a popular anime?
1: In Japan, I'm sure it is. Around these parts, probably, certainly not in the league of, let's like, say, you know, the, the typical Shonen Jump stuff, like Naruto, Bleach, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, definitely not in that league, but... I would say pretty much from what I've seen, serious anime watchers will all at least have heard of it. Okay, that that's
0: fine, but it still seems like, I mean, so quick aside, I don't watch anime, but Berserk was one of the few animes I did watch, and right. I don't remember it being like a very long uh, series, and I don't remember it having like a lot of characters either, so I'm, I'm a little, sh- I, I'm not confused by this choice, but it seems like... They should have been able to get something that at least has a larger pool. A little more of a following? Uh, not even so much more of a following, but at least a larger pool of, like, stuff to, you know, Draw from. In- inject into their game. Um, right. I remember it having, like, I, at least the arc that I watched was, like, typical, like, one season. It was, like, 20 episodes, and it had, it had uh, like, Guts, some girl, some guy with white hair, and, like, a <laughs> demon which is required by law for every anime to have. So, like, I don't All understand right. why, like, it didn't it didn't have like this huge, um, you know, deep thing going on. I thought it was like a perfectly fine anime, I, I guess. Um, but I, I don't know. It seemed like a strange one to put into a to to Yeah. <coughs>
1: Yeah, I thought it was a little bit weird, too. I was like, okay. visual look looked pretty interesting. It was kind of a little different, interesting um, visual style they went for for that game. But other than that, I was like, not on my radar. The only reason I even remember it is because it kept popping up on Steam, what they were really trying to hype it up uh, when it first came out. But that seemed to fade from people's memories quite quickly.
0: Yeah, I mean, we even like forgot it exists. <laughs> right. But, uh, but yeah, that's that's so that's that's it, man. That's that is the that is the Musau series. That's the quick history, and this is pretty much everything they've done up to this point. It's it's inexp uh, it's almost inexplicably popular, um, and and it's also even more inexplicably not really talked about much, despite it being a thing that is inexplicably popular. Like the whole thing is just really strange to me that it even exists um, as a series and as a genre, not even as a genre, but as like a continued thing. Like, right. I mean, I cannot think of a single other, I cannot think of a single other company that invented a genre and reskinned other IPs onto it. The only <laughs> thing I can think of would be the reverse of that, which would be you create a thing and then have that thing do all the other genres, right? Like Mario does has sports games and got racing games, and it's got platformers and everything like that, right? But it's all just like Mario stuff. This right. is the opposite of that, which is so strange to me. Like,
1: I don't know. It's is, it's so strange, but so brilliant. Um... Because I'm sure that they have, like, an internal Muso engine, like, gameplay engine. Sure. And all they have to spend their time doing is, you know, coming up with the various skins, which are based on whatever IP. Uh, you may have seen in the course of the research that more recently, um, somebody senior at Koei Tech was like, yeah, we really want to do Star Wars Muso." Which, if they, if they did, they would set the world on fire. Sure,
0: they would, and uh, oh, and we forgot one more. They did, um, they did Attack on Titan.
1: Oh, that was then. Oh, that's interesting. Yep, because there was a bunch of Attack on Titan games that were coming out. But I didn't realize that was a Force.
0: So they did a yeah, they did an Omega uh, Omega Force, Koei Tecmo, uh, Attack on Titan, but it wasn't. It doesn't seem to have been part of the. It was a hack and slash, but it, it's not. It do, it's not. It hasn't. It wasn't given the Musao title in Japanese. So I'm thinking it might not be part of it, but it is a hack and slash, um, thing.
1: It actually, cause is, I was going to say attack on Titan. There are not that many, uh, enemies to be running around killing.
0: Well, according to, um, according to the Japanese sales charts for, uh, the week of its release, um, Attack on Titan outsold Street Fighter 4 on PlayStation in Japan that week. Wow. So they're doing – they are doing something right. I, I, I like to think that we've it, – and it seems see, – I want to say that like we, we've, we've explained everything that they're doing right and it just doesn't seem to be enough – but it is there. The numbers are right in front of us. It, it outsold Street Fighter Five on, on on the same platform the week of release. Uh, that's preposterous to me. But they they have they have this they have this thing. They've got the they got the
1: sauce. Yeah, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be that preposterous because again they're picking well established, well beloved brands and IPs to go after. That's why I say it's completely brilliant because. You know, they license the thing, and I'm sure the actual cost of making the game, insofar as it can be, is going to be relatively cheap for them. Mm-hmm. So then, bam. And, and then they literally call the shit whatever franchise <laughs> Mousseau, Yeah, and then, and then sell it. It's, what is there not to like? And in the case of Nintendo, they, they even get the benefit of Nintendo will then do the legwork of selling the game because it's an exclusive for them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and even, um, and, and I think that the, the, the cheap to make thing is, is, uh, is definitely on point too, because the stuff that they make, that's not part of the Musao family. Um, I'm looking at like, I'm looking at like UI for a lot of these games and it seems to be either straight up ripped from a Musao game or, or like completely stolen from another franchise. So, right. yeah, that's that's a uh, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, they're still churning these games out. I believe Dynasty Warriors Nine has a um, I don't know if it has a release date, but it is coming out. It, it was announced.
1: And um, see now, D- Dynasty Warrior Nine actually kind of uh,
0: comes out, a little. It comes out tomorrow. Really, in Japan, and it comes out next week in in the US.
1: Damn, I didn't realize it was that close. Yep. So, so, we, so we inadvertently did a very timely Muso exploration.
0: Yeah, we did. So uh, so so yeah. I mean, there are going to be eight thousand characters, and <laughs> it's going to be um, yeah. It's, it's coming out. It's coming out tomorrow in Japan next week in the U.S. And it's coming out for uh, PS4, Xbox, and Windows. I don't know if there is a Switch date. I don't see one listed here.
1: The switch version is probably going for that game is probably going to run like ass because probably. Dynasty Warriors Nine is going to poke a hole in in my lovely um, theory because they actually kind of went back to the drawing board for this one because it's actually going to be an open world game.
0: Yeah, that's see that, that's that's interesting. We're gonna have to see it if this does well. I imagine it. I I think I think that. There, th- this might be a, a little bit of a refresher um, for for people who are probably surprised that they're still even making um, right Dynasty Warriors games. Uh, there, okay. So it says, um, yeah, eight, uh, eighty three characters from the previous Dynasty Warriors, um, and new characters will be introduced. And then uh, there's also Warriors All Stars. Which yes, out. Warriors
1: All-Stars is, is, is also a thing. Right,
0: which is actually the Super Smash Brothers of Musou.
1: In a certain sense. Um, to me, because that, that was the second game I was going to mention earlier. Okay. Uh, the Warriors Orochi series, right? Mm-hmm. So that actually was my introduction to Musou games. So the quick background on that is that Hyrule Warriors was announced. Everybody was hype. I was hype. I was hype. And I said, "Okay, well, I've never played any of these Musou games, so before Higher Warriors comes out, let me get a taste and kind of see what they are and get a feel for them." So I copped Warriors Orochi Three for the Wii U, and part of the reason I did that is because I had read that it was uh, it had it featured Dynasty Warriors characters, Samurai Warriors characters. And a bunch of characters that they just pulled from wherever the fuck they felt like. Uh, that really is the Smash Brothers of of Warriors games. Because the whole thing is batshit crazy. So first of all, this is the third game, so I don't remember the story. I don't know too much about the storyline of the other ones. But basically, like it starts off... And you're going to face down this gigantic beast that's basically going to wipe out all of, like, humankind. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, let's go back in time because we can't kill it. And then the whole game is you jumping around time trying to, like, stop various generals from getting bodied and figure out how to defeat this giant beast at the end. And it actually is, like, a surprisingly in-depth plot for being, like, a schlocky time travel plot. (laughs) Um, but yeah, there's actually, I think, 120 characters you can play in that game. Nice. Like, it's it's completely absurd. And they have, like, Joan of Arc as a character. What? Yeah, and um, Achilles as a character.
0: So it's the Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure of the Musao games?
1: Basically. And then they threw in the Ninja Gaiden people. They threw in Ryukai Busa. Oh, and the Dead or Alive people as Kasumi. Like, they just threw everybody in the game. I actually, sorry, I think Kasumi came in the, the Xbox release, but she is definitely in a version of this game. Uh, but they just threw whoever the fuck they could find into this thing, and they were like, go. Warriors.
0: Warriors.
1: <laughs> so that is a glorious game. I had a lot of fun playing that game. I didn't finish it or anything. It was like, whatever. But that's a lot of fun. I think we should talk briefly, at least, by the way, about like the appeal of these games as a player. Yeah. So, to me, the Musou games serve, I think, a pretty important role. We have a lot of very complicated games these days, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just last night, for example, I was playing some Heroes of the Storm, which is the least complicated of the MOBAs, but it's still a pretty damn complicated game, right? Uh, But if you don't have time to deal with all the complicated shit, Musou. Or really, what I always think about—if you've had like a rough day at work, or something is not going right in your life, and you just need thousands of creatures to die at your hand <laughs> instantly—you want to play a Muso game.
0: Yeah, we, you know, we didn't we didn't talk about it in our uh, our like chill games episode, but it's it's a hundred percent in that discussion because it it's it's a very. It's 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 a perfect time killer. It's mm-hmm. um it, it's very it's very satisfying to a point to just mow down everybody in your path. Yep. Um and and like I said, I think if you're not if if you're not doing it, if you're not in it for the fan service, the there were there were definitely some high points in the in the Dynasty Warriors proper series that really got the um the like feel well, the, the the best thing I can describe it is like um like I remember who my favorite character in Dynasty Warriors 4 was. His name was Ma Chao, and he just had this like lightning spear. And like you, you know, th- these are these are like laughably acrobatic versions of these real historic people. And there's the other thing too, is I actually learned a lot about Chinese history playing these games. This is an actual again, this is a spin-off of a game that was built for you to manage a specific like 60 year period uh, that is very important for the formation of what of what is modern day China. And this is this is taken from you know historical accounts of it. So these characters aren't just made up. they're they're real characters and and I think by the fourth one they had um, like detailed, you know snippets of of what they were actually doing in what like 230 AD in China and and like where they fit in in this whole you know mess of of people cuz it ends up being very encyclopedic when you get to be like 80 characters but they're all real people you know some of them yeah had minor more minor roles than others because at some point you have to start scraping but right <laughs> but they were they were really there you know they you had you had like there was even this one part, and I—I'm and I, I, not going to remember the guy's name, but they had depicted him as like this, uh, as like this savage, right? And it was not to get not to get way too far out in the weeds here, but it was essentially a caricature of how of how the the Chinese looked at the people who came from that part. What is probably like nor- like modern day like northern Vietnam or something like that you know he was essentially like this swamp king right and <laughs> and they they were kind of like they were kind of like yeah like his kingdom uh, i think it was called uh, a king or something like that no not non king I, I don't know what it was what they called it but the the um the like the the translation of that was just kind of like was like southern savages or something like that and that was what the chinese called his his kingdom so they played up on that, but it was also like these were the these were like the attitudes for outsiders at the time, and like this is how they this is how they got kind of like wrapped up in this whole you know political intrigue type thing. But you know they were he was still like a jungle king to them.
1: See, when you lay all that out, yeah, I mean that's all clear from playing the game, right? That they're all based on real historical figures and whatever. But when you put all that like that, you really think, wow, this is even more batshit crazy than when we first imagined. It really is. I mean, that's, where do you think the romance
0: part comes from? The romance of the Three Kingdoms, they, they don't mean romance is in, like, a love story. They mean romance is, like, this, this like, deep, you know, wide, far-reaching political intrigue.
1: Right. I mean, the fact that we can play as, they basically, we're going to make this very arcady super ridiculous action game starring all these real historical figures from war. Uh, it makes no sense. Uh, but yet, as many Japanese games do, end up being, from a player's perspective, pretty damn awesome. I forgot who my man is in that game that that fight, literally fights a with a paintbrush, like doing like calligraphy. But it's yeah.
0: <laughs> oh my god! I, I uh, yeah. I mean, it would be it would be like if somebody took like the definitive tome on the Civil War and made like. Uh, like an anime-inspired, um, like an anime-inspired shooter out of it, and it just took everybody, you know. Right. So uh, that, that's really what it would be like. Uh, that, that's Generally, just, summer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. They would get, uh, you know, you would have like your rudimentary submarines, you know, the monitor and, you, and stuff like that, but it would be it would but everybody would be caricatures of one another you know um, it, it, it's 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 something else that's for sure i it, it's i, I think I, I think i've said pretty much everything i wanted to say about it but i think that i think that the success once you once you dig a little bit beneath the surface the success makes a lot more sense than it would initially uh, right. and then when you look at a lot of the spin-offs it's even more apparent but this is, um, you know, I, I believe they're still making Romance of the Three Kingdoms games too. So if if you want, like, uh, basically like a tabletop version of, of this, that's where you're going to want to look. Um, if you have any interest in, like, what China was like between the uh, years, like, 190 and 250 A.D., uh, just play Dynasty Warriors. Like, that's <laughs> that's really all you got to do. And, like, it's it's as faithful as you can get out of, like, a... A video game that's that's meant to you know um kind of just be like a like a like a half conscious couch
1: game or also like i said if you had a bad day at work and you're just like well frog i I just have all this stuff going on you know i don't know what i'm gonna take the controller thousands of enemies will die at your hand yes it's all gonna be okay
0: and you can use whatever ridiculous weapon you want they have anyone you
1: want Yep. Too hard, set the difficulty down, just kill them all.
0: Just kill them all.
1: Just kill them all. Yep. There's so. their dead screams will fill your ears with delight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh and I and on that note, I think that that's uh, that's all we have to say about the about the Musao series, but there's uh there's always good fun facts that I'm I'm trying to uh that I'm trying to bestow upon the people out in the internet land. So if you're out there, come and find us. We're on Twitter at Frog Snacks. Got an Instagram at Froxnacks Podcast. we got a website, froxnax.net. Obviously we're on we are on Apple Podcasts. Great review and subscribe to the podcast there. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Bye bye.